0: Hello, Guilty Feminist. This is Deborah. I'm coming to America. The first show of the tour will be at Gramercy Theatre in New York on the 4th of January. And tickets are on sale now. Go to guiltyfeminist.com for all the details. They're going fast. More dates are coming soon, but the faster this one sells, the more dates they'll put on. So if you're in New York and you want to see the Guilty Feminist live, book today. I'm a feminist, but... Today, our fabulous guest, all the way from the United States of America, is Jenna Friedman. And I wanted to make like a cool Instagram picture to let everyone know the show was happening because it's the first day of the Fringe. And when I searched Google Images for Jenna Friedman, I found the most beautiful, elegant, sexy picture I'd ever seen of Jenna sort of like doing that with her hand and then she had a necklace in her mouth. And so I was like, obviously I want to use this picture, it's really amazing. But then I was like, I don't want Rosie Jones and I to have ordinary pictures next to this. So I searched for sexy pictures of me and Rosie Jones on Google. True story. It's the first time I've ever done it. It was enlightening. I'm a pamonge
4: Um, when I recently got a tattoo to celebrate how gay I am, <laughs> I, um, I have my pick of all the tattoo artists, and I picked the one woman. Because she had great tits. No,
0: no, no. I'm a feminist, but when I searched Rosie Jones sexy images... (laughs) You're the only person that knows what's coming. I haven't told Rosie this, but she knows what's coming. I discovered that Rosie Jones is also a different person who is, in fact, a glamour model, (laughs) and her pictures were very hot. And I spent a nice amount of time, like, looking (laughs) at these incredibly sexy pictures, which were kind—they were very. I just needed to be clear that it wasn't this Rosie Jones that I was looking at, but it was a Rosie Jones, and I did not leave the page for some time. I did eventually find a very hot picture of Rosie Jones by putting in Rosie Jones Comedian Sexy. And there was one of Rosie going,
4: Deborah, if you want a sexy photo of me, I got
0: loads. Right, thank you, (laughs) thank you. I could have just DM'd you actually and gone, you up. Oh i'm always yeah i know <laughs> I, I, I i know
4: you are i know you are <laughs> um at minutes bought I put women into two categories because you got your main courses and then you got yes. <laughs>
0: not okay, not okay. <laughs> Out of interest, though, although it is not okay, which one am I?
4: Well, you did, but you're the main cop.
0: Thank you. I was just checking.
4: But I will treat you like a snack. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> not, not. What, what does that entail just out of. A... Later. Sure. Yeah. Later. More of a conversation for the bar. I'm a feminist, but when I Googled Deborah Francis White sexy, First time I ever ever done. I've not thought to do it before. I would have obviously, but the first time I've ever done that. Deborah France is quite sexy. I was very disappointed with the selection, (laughs) and there was like some really old pictures of me from like previous cheesier Edinburghs, you know. And I was like, no, this isn't okay. So I just took a sultry selfie of me with bed hair (laughs) and put that. (laughs) into the official promo pic. Now, if you go there on Instagram after this show, you will see that it is fine. And that I am extremely pleased with the results. But on the grounds of that, my next official photo shoot for comedy, I've decided is gonna be a lot hotter. (laughs) Prepare yourselves. And if there is a feminist photographer out there who would like to take the pictures, please email guiltyfeminist at gmail.com. And if there is an unfeminist photographer who would like to take some too, just to see the comparison, (laughs) obviously I'm open to offers. I'm a
4: feminist, but recently, when I was asked to write a sex scene for Gillian Anderson.
0: Were you asked? Were you asked?
4: Oh, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Define asked, Rosie. I was! A.K.A. the ultimate snack.
0: (laughs) I don't think it's how she defines herself, but continue.
4: It is. When I handed it in, the channel came back and said, we can't use the sex scene because it's too dirty. (laughs) Also, it was weird. (laughs) (laughs) When halfway through the scene, that girl with several palsy jumped out of that wardrobe
0: And got stuck in. No, no. Are we ready to start the show? Yeah. Hello, hello, hello. This is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. Today's... Today's theme is freedom of speech, and my co-pilot is Rosie Jones! Hello. So, Rosie, how are you?
4: I'm... God, I'm at the Edinburgh Fringe. We all
0: are, Rosie. That's <laughs> by definition.
4: Oh, yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't had a meltdown.
0: It's day one.
4: Yes.
0: Day one. If oh, you're listening at home, it's day one.
4: There's time.
0: <laughs> There's so I much will. time for a meltdown. Yeah. Yeah, the average fringe comedian will have, I would say, four to five meltdowns.
4: Oh no,
0: well, yeah, like 18 to 19. Yeah, well that's good too, because the more you have a meltdown, the more you get it out. Yeah. It's exfoliation, yeah. basically. Yeah. It's yes. like emotional exfoliation, yeah. Yeah. important at the Fringe. If you're doing a show at the Fringe, it's a very emotionally taxing thing. I know if you've got a real job, you probably think you work an hour a day and then you drink with your friends... That, oh is that is accurate. That oh is accurate. Yeah. My I, I, I don't know why it feels like such hard work when evidently it no. isn't. But it does. It feels like oh you put your soul on a plate and then sometimes you've got no, you know no. half an audience of people just staring at you and then someone is a reviewer for a student newspaper completely misunderstands what you're doing and gives you 3 stars yeah. and then you cry well, about it like it matters it's on a website no one's ever heard of yeah. called <laughs> i'm a I, I just don't know why do we care? Well, I don't, um what we need to remember
4: is we are living a dream. <laughs> I, I, I work for an hour a day and mm. talk about myself.
3: Yeah.
4: And I always get a shag out of now, it. Now,
0: that's. Now. That brings us... That brings us on to, you're not obliged. That's... You hash, are! No. Hashtag consent. Consent. We're very big on consent. Now, that brings us on to freedom of speech, Rosie. Oh, Something yeah. that I feel you abuse. <laughs> now, it's so good that we live in a democracy, but...
4: But see the thing is I'm a lady. Yes. I'm disabled sure. and I'm gay. Yep. So in terms of democracy, I'm at right at the bottom of the pile. So I can say what I've been there for, come on. <laughs> Yeah, that I have been silenced for too long. (laughs) (coughs) Maybe for the right
0: reason.
4: Sure, sure.
0: (coughs) (coughs) The thing about actually what you're doing—I'm obviously joking when I say you're abusing your freedom of speech. You're doing something I think that's extraordinary for disability rights and you're doing it with such verve and naughtiness and joy that is incredible but you're one of the only comedians ever on this podcast that I've had a formal complaint about like a long
3: No. yeah Yeah, it's true
0: you don't need to be so happy (laughs) oh
4: I am the bad Oh, you
0: very much are the bad boy of the guilty <laughs> feminist, yeah. yeah. It's like she scored the winning goal in the World Cup there. It's just like... So, uh, do you want me to tell you what it was? Yes! I didn't bring it up at the time because, you know, sometimes people write in and I handle, you know, whatever it is. Sometimes I pass it on if it feels valid. But I felt on this occasion that the person who'd written in with very good intentions had misunderstood the power dynamics of the joke. She hadn't misunderstood the joke, but she'd misunderstood the power dynamics. So what she'd written in was, okay, so Rosie's got a routine. Is it all right if I briefly yeah. say what the routine yeah. is? Yeah. She has a routine in which she wishes Ryan Gosling dead... Yeah. In order... Oh, some women haven't taken that well, have they? That's already gone over very badly, Rosie. We're going to get more letters of complaint now. On the basis that you want to have sex with his wife... Yeah! ..who is... Eva Bender? Yes. Oh! No, and so... So the... So the end of the routine is... That's how gay I am. I'm so gay, I want Ryan Gosling dead. And it's a sort of whole imagination of Rosie going into the house and Ryan's dead and Eve's sad and, you know, she's eat- You're eating a yoghurt naked? Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's a basically uh, a sexual fantasy yeah, that's very, very funny. I help her. Yeah, no, you don't... You don't help her. You take advantage of a situation for your own oh, sexual gain. Oh, I help No, OK, her. so, now... <laughs> So, what this listener, I understand why she felt it, but what she wrote was, if a man said that, you would not allow it, because it's about being opportunistic sexually, it's about wishing someone else dead. And I wrote back and said, I wouldn't platform a man on this show, I mean, really platform a man on this show, I could stop there, but but if I did, it wouldn't be a man doing a routine about wishing Ryan Gosling dead, so you could opportunistically shag... Eva Mendes and if a man did say that on the show I would edit it out and I wouldn't publish it mm. but the reason I think it's different is to do with power dynamics Yeah. that yeah. you physically couldn't kill Ryan Gosling Yeah. What? no you, best that <laughs> well. you say you couldn't because if you want to work in America so I think it's important you now say <laughs> categorically that you could not and would not harm Ryan Gosling if alone with him
4: well I I wouldn't, but I could pay
0: someone. No, that's not. That's. Rosie, that's. Are you. Answer me again. I, I, <laughs> would what? you harm Ryan Gosling? No. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> I can feel this listener typing her next email as we speak. Um, but the history of the world yeah. means people like you. Yeah. i.e. women, mm-hmm. and then add to that the marginalisation of disability, yeah. haven't gone around. I mean, think of one murder case where a disabled woman has killed or even harmed a non-disabled man. Now, there might be one, but we can't yeah. think of one collectively. No. No. So, you know, unless anyone can? Aberdeen. <laughs> OK, I forgot I was in Scotland. And... <laughs> Could you just please briefly give us the headlines of that story? Yeah, it's actually from Australia. That Aberdeen in Australia? Wow. I'm so wow. sorry, Australians stolen a lot of your names. <laughs> but it's nothing compared to how Wales feels.
3: <laughs>
0: New South, what? New um, South. What was wrong with Old South? Aberdeen, Australia, what happened? Uh, a woman was disabled. She was disabled and she ended up killing her husband and he came to her oh. oh. Okay. <laughs> No, don't. That. OK, Rosie's taken a note of that, and I don't know why. But that is very much an exception. And also, within the power dynamic of a couple, I don't know what the history of that story was. Most of the time, I believe the statistic is when women kill their intimate partner, it is generally in self defense. Now, I agree that the feeding to the children does undermine (laughs) that somewhat in this case. And I haven't looked into the details. But the headlines of this are, I think what you're doing is so important because a, a friend of mine texted me from Australia. He's not in show business or anything like that. He just messaged me and just said... I totally get it now. And he said, I always thought people with cerebral palsy were different from me. I wouldn't know how to talk to them. I'd avoid talking to someone with cerebral palsy. I thought maybe they were a bit more like children. He said, I just didn't know. I'd never engaged. I felt awkward. And he said, from listening to Rosie Jones so many times on The Guilty Feminist, he was like, I just get it. It's just me, but slower. And I think (laughs) I totally... He said, he said I'm just, it's just completely made me reframe every assumption I've made about every disabled person I meet. And he said, I've just completely changed my attitude. And it wasn't coming from a place of aggression. It was coming from a place of fear of not knowing how to deal with it and saying something wrong. And he said, Rosie's made me understand. And I know a lot of that is how you are iconoclastic, you're highly sexual in your comedy, and you are you're transgressive all the time and what you're saying is I went out I got smashed I fell out of a nightclub I picked somebody up I went home I wrote a really hardcore scene about Gillian Anderson that couldn't be used on network television even after the watershed and if you were just doing comedy the same way I was doing comedy I don't think you would be doing the same thing for disability rights yeah
4: thank you and, um yeah, that's why I do what I do. And I feel like when I started out, I would do traditional mainstream jokes to get people used to my voice. But it wasn't my voice. It was... The generic disabled person Mm. and we're friends in real life and I can be inappropriate.
0: I can confirm that. I've shared many green rooms with Rosie Jones and the word that stands out more than any other is inappropriate.
4: (laughs) But it's a war makes comedy so exciting for me it's the fact I go on stage and people pity me people feel sorry for me and I go for you because <laughs> I I love who I am. If I was able to make me able-bodied, I wouldn't, because this is me, and all I'm doing is um, speaking the truth, not for disabled people, not for women, not for gay people, And you're speaking for me. It's
0: very (laughs) messy.
4: And that's why I wrote the Ryan Gosling Joe (laughs) because it's an interesting dynamic that all the way through nobody gets it what I'm going to do. So they couldn't, no. That,
0: yeah. And that's because their minds are less yeah. sociopathic. Yeah. And I think that's...
4: <laughs>
0: but you represent for sociopaths and they you know, that's an underrepresented group in comedy. <laughs> it's really not, it's really not. There's a lot of men got that covered, to be honest.
4: <laughs> but, um, yeah, but it's interesting. And it's something I deal with. And it's a show. I'm uh, telling you a secret now. <laughs> but i um, halfway through my show, I go up to a lady in the front row and I compliment her on her tits. <laughs> and it always gets a laugh. And... What I say to her is the verbatim of what a guy said to me. And I find that very inappropriate. And my argument is, why do you let me say that? But it's not okay for... ...him to say that to me. And that's all
0: about
4: this power dynamic.
0: Yes. And in the show you say, because you're not a threat. Yeah. Or you're perceived as not a threat.
4: Or am I?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Please welcome to the mic the incredible, the one, the only, the legendary, Rosie Jones!
4: Hello! So you probably all know this now, but I am a triple threat. (laughs) I'm disabled, I'm gay, and I'm a prick. (laughs) <laughs> the BBC loves me. <laughs> I'm disabled and I love, I love being disabled because nobody ever wants me to babysit. <laughs> in case I drop them and recruit them.
3: <laughs>
4: yeah. It's a bit like a disability pyramid scheme. (laughs) (laughs) But growing up, I didn't let my disability get in my way. And my mum said to me, Rosie, you be whoever you want to be. Apart from a brain surgeon <laughs> or a <the> hairdresser
3: <laughs>
4: or an optician <laughs> or a pilot. of a train announcer. (laughs) The train coming into platform for is the 1412 It's already gone. <laughs> <laughs> you have been so lovely. I've been say, Bye-bye.
0: So I just wanted to tell you a little bit of history about women and freedom of speech. I'm going to take you back to ancient Rome. And I'm going to tell you about a time that women used their freedom of speech. Now, in ancient Rome... Uh, women couldn't speak in the assembly. It was a democracy, but not for women. And, of course, there were enslaved people in Rome as well, so there were other intersections of power. But no women at all could speak or vote or do any of those kinds of things. And so this is my favourite guilty feminist story about the women of Rome. It was around the year 2015, and it's hard to relate to... Uh, to, to sorry. 215. <laughs> 2.15. I was thinking about a night I had in Rome in 2015, and that was different. <laughs> and I got an Airbnb. It doesn't... It was mostly me just watching Mad Men, to be honest. Um, uh, 2.15. 2.15 BC. And it's hard to relate to times back then, uh, because they had a, a bloodthirsty government that had brought in some austerity measures. Um, so but nobody had anything. Um, it was tough times. Public services were cut... It's difficult to relate to times back then. Uh, The austerity measures were brought in by an unjust war. And you think... (laughs) I mean, times were so different because they were in togas. Uh, I believe they're... I believe believe the emperor was called Antony Blairus. And... (laughs) this is true it's true i mean the Antony blairis obviously is a lie but everything else is true there was a war and there was austerity measures brought in so there were all sorts of things cut cut to 20 years later 195 bc and the men had all their stuff back but the women were still suffering from a ban and this is why it's a guilty feminist story of not being allowed to buy luxury goods or dress up in colours and beautiful jewellery, especially the colour purple. Random, yes. Although women could not speak in a public forum and although they couldn't vote and they didn't have any of those freedoms, when they said, we take away your posh frocks, they went, enough. (laughs) Too far, too far, Roman emperor, too far, Colosseum. And they came in from all over Rome and collected in an incredible women's march. Now, there were, of course, male allies. One of the male allies said, would you, in your refusal to revoke this law, allow the trappings of your own horse to be more splendid than the dress of your wife? So, I mean, his argument's a sound one. Do you want your horse being fancier than your wife? See? Hashtag not all men. Not all horses. Um, Cato, uh, the elder, quite famous back then, he was a big big deal, said, uh, we have not kept our women individually under control and we now dread them collectively. <laughs> I feel we should somehow make a T-shirt of that. Um, and so they all came in from all over Rome, and uh, this is Livy recording. Uh, he's an ancient Roman historian, obviously a man because... We remember what he said. Um, This is his words. The matrons could not be kept at home by advice or modesty or their husband's orders, but blocked all the streets and approaches to the forum. The crowd of women grew larger by the day. Soon they dared even to approach and appeal to the consuls, the praetors, and other officials. And sisters, although it was said by Cato the Elder heaven help us, we allow them even to interfere in public affairs, the Roman women nevertheless persisted, and in a spectacular political victory, the law was repealed! (laughs) Thank you very much. Our guest today is a political comedian and satirist. Uh, she's a staple of late-night chat in the USA. She has her own show on Adult Swim called Soft Focus. She's here at the Fringe uh, doing a show called Miscarriage of Justice. Please put your hands together and make excited, woo-hooing noises for first-time guilty feminists. It's the incredible Jenna Friedman! Oh, hi. It is so
1: nice to be here. Um, just... Uh before I start it wasn't a necklace it was a rusty hanger uh, (laughs) that I was posing with. Was it?
0: It looks like a really sexy necklace. Yeah it was
1: a rusty hanger.
0: Um, Okay that tells a different story. Yeah. I have a lot of abortion jokes. Oh. Um, Yeah. Okay we may have overstepped our sexiness in our pictures (laughs) there.
1: I didn't realise that. It's funny though because I had a um, a short lived stint doing the sex column for like a men's magazine and they used that photo and they airbrushed out the hangar yeah and the stint was short-lived because like the guys would always like write in questions like how do I get a girl to notice me and all my answers were like don't rape us donate to Planned Parenthood <laughs> you know I try um, anyway it's really nice to be here uh, I hear you guys are really concerned about Brexit I'm still trying to figure out what Brexit is. Uh, Is it like fire fest for pensioners? (laughs) Is Brexit like if your parents won't let you date that cute Greek guy because he has no money, so then you're like, I'm going to date the responsible German guy. And then they're like, no, you're going to fuck your cousin. (laughs) Is that what Brexit's like? When I was in high school, a friend of mine and I went to get ice cream. It was a hot summer day. She ordered a vanilla soft serve cone and the girl behind the counter as she was making the cone, we saw out of the corner of our eyes, the cone drip. And then she actually licked the drip. And then she handed the ice cream cone back to my friend with the visible tongue mark in it. And my friend asked her, did you lick this? And the girl said no. And then my friend just like took it and paid for it and ate it anyway. Is that what Brexit's like? (laughs) I'm just picturing Deborah's woke guy friend listening and being like, women are just like us, only slower. (laughs) It's really bad in America right now, politically. I don't know if you guys have heard, but this past year, for the first time in my life, I was like, maybe Sarah Palin should be president. (laughs) And what made me think that was reading about Trump's administration drugging undocumented children in detention centers at the border because he, they didn't want to take care of them. This is real. It's heartbreaking. And my first thought was, like, Sarah Palin would never do that. She would never drug undocumented kids. And the only reason I know that she would never drug undocumented kids is because she couldn't even give Bristol birth control. LAUGHTER The Republicans in our country are pretty bad, but they're not awful. Like, they support women in some ways. They always pay for sex. (laughs) They never get it for free. Uh. (laughs) And they're like, not against abortion. They'll even pay for yours if it's theirs. (laughs) The best way to get the government to pay for your abortion in America is by sleeping with a married Republican. You might not even want an abortion, but if you fuck one of those married ones, (laughs) you're going to get it. Watch your drink, mistress, because he's going to give it to you. Uh, The Republicans aren't like Nazis. The Nazis were way more organized. And um, Donald Trump is not like Hitler. Hitler served in his military. If anything, Trump is kind of like Bin Laden, just in the sense that they both use their daddy's money to fuck up New York skyline. Thank you, guys. I'm Jenna Friedman.
0: Jenna Friedman, everybody. Come take a seat. It's so great to have you on the show. We wanted to have you on the show for ages. Oh, it's so nice
1: to be here. You guys are so funny.
0: <laughs> I'm like well whatever okay. no no how are you finding Edinburgh
1: <laughs> it's cool um, it's nice it's
0: damp yeah that we can offer we can offer dampness oh
4: yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah no Rosie no soaking no. wet <laughs> no. I mean the problem with Rosie is she turns me into Mary Whitehouse <laughs> Do you know who Mary Whitehouse is? Uh Uh-uh. A British woman who tried to censor everything in the 1980s. (laughs) Uh, And uh, she was sort of like, stop, badness, filth. Mm. That's how I become when I sit next to Rosie Jones. (laughs) I suddenly feel myself morphing into Mary Whitehouse. (laughs) So tell us about your show because your show is in part, it's about freedom of speech, isn't it? Yes, our country is slipping into
1: fascism, you know, and I'm just trying to exercise my free speech while I have it because it's going away. Do you, uh-huh. can you,
0: uh-huh. it's not a joke. Can you feel it? Can you feel the effect in America at the moment? Where are the places where you feel that happening? That your own freedom of speech is slipping away?
1: I don't know if I mean I'm being a little like a little hyperbolic, but I do think this is just kind of the nature of things. I think we're in a really uh, precarious moment with our democracy, as you guys are too, a little bit. And I think that a white nationalist being our president, uh, he's it's really dangerous. You know, he's every time he has a rallies uh, hate crimes increase in that county like 226 percent this was in the washington post and you know he's attacking the press he's attacking people of color he's attacking undocumented people i know this is like a comedy podcast
0: no no we we get we shift gears here at the guilty Post all the time don't we yeah yeah we love these conversations nobody's here going where's the punchline i'm getting nervous They're really not it's absolutely fun. what my concern is like how do we deal with the fact that freedom of speech is misused by dominant powers so you yeah know, when so he goes and does a rally that is also free well, speech. Well, it's, it's hate
1: speech and I think the, we're really naive as a country because we don't understand the effects of hate speech and there's this thing where it's like it's free speech until it incites violence mm-hmm. and like if your speech is inhibiting someone's ability to be safe then that is not free speech and I think that We kind of see things as black and white, but we, you know, in Germany, they are doing something right (laughs) in terms of, like, you know, how you're not allowed to brandish swastikas. Like, they have, I think, as a country, we haven't really had things in our recent past that have, like, set the tone for our understanding of free speech, so I think
0: it's... Well, the dominant culture hasn't, because African Americans have... And I mean, look, have.
1: we have skeletons in our closet and I talk about that in the show that we don't even acknowledge, but I think there's a naivete and partly because we don't have, acknowledge it where we just like underestimate, you know, what free speech is. It's the same thing with like our gun rights. It's like, you know, the founders didn't put like semi-automatic weapons in the constitution. So it's like if you look at things in like a, with no nuance, you can make justifications for like, yeah, we have gun rights and we need free speech, but it's just not binary.
0: Yeah, the gun lobby there is absolutely astounding to me because your right to bear arms, as absurd as that is in yeah. 2019, that anyone needs to bear arms, that was from a very different time in a very different political landscape, cannot, cannot, nobody needs an automatic weapon or a semi-automatic weapon. Nobody would need that under any justification. Just like- LAUGHTER but, like, but you can build it up to a tank and you have your own... The right to bear arms means I can have a nuclear weapon in I my I think garden. people like, with
1: money are able to pay to influence other people's opinions. And that's kind of what we're seeing across the board with free speech and with all this kind of stuff. Money is influencing people's ability to kind of see things independently.
0: Do you feel rosie that because i feel like even within feminism yeah. disabled women are so unrepresented and not heard from we just don't hear those voices how yeah. can we be better about platforming uh, speech for disabled people and in terms of feminism disabled women
4: it's tricky because it taught me so long to get into comedy because I never saw disability on in TV or on stage. And it really took me to go, well, well if I'm not seeing it, I need to be it. Mm. And that took ages, but hopefully... What I'm doing now is other disabled people, disabled women, gay disabled people will look at me and go, well, if Rosie can do it, I can do it. So hopefully it's now the start of change but it's really getting diverse voices out there in the first place so that the next generation can see them and go I'm gonna do
0: that. I presumably you were influenced by Francesca Martinez yeah. having, a, yeah. having a profile. Yeah. In terms of Trump's America and this kind of put. I feel like we're at this weird point in history, where it's almost like a Star Wars movie, where there's been this uprising. You know, we had Obama, which was uh, and the Obamas in the White House were an incredible piece of representation. And you know, listen, there are obviously issues there with foreign policy. I'm not saying the you know Barack Obama is perfect by any means. In terms of representation, there was a shift. And I feel like it's like the patriarchy strikes back. So as women Mm -hmm. rise, I feel like Donald Trump is the manifestation of everything that feminism stands against. And I feel like now we've got this, like, mini-me in Boris Johnson, who's rising up here. And he is a mate of Bannon's. And I know he does that goofy, oh, I'm coming out to give everybody tea. And, oh, I've fallen off a zip wire again. But... But also he's best mates with Bannon and he's in a little triumvirate with Farage and they have plans. And when I was on tour with the Guilty Feminist live show, there were times when I would look around the dressing room and I would just feel really like sort of frightened and sad inside because I would think if fascism rises or whatever the next version of fascism is, I would be the only person on the bill because everyone else in the dressing room was a person of colour or gay or both. Or disabled, and I thought all my friends would be taken away, and I just had this like deep fear. I mean, I would too, because I'm an agitator, but not for my identity. Yeah, I mean, I think Nazism
1: benefits some. No. Sorry, sorry. Um, I think that uh, we are in a moment where uh, what's happening with, like, white nationalism globally is, like, a reaction to the fact that we're not going back. You can't put globalization back into the bottle. You can't put liberation of, like, women and people of color and disabled people back into the bottle. It's like the future actually is female. It's not just a T-shirt. The future is female, and then it's, like, robot. Like, it's female... (laughs) for like maybe 10 years and then it'll be robot and so there's hope when we're all kind of subjugated by the robots but I do think right now everything going on is like just a reaction to people losing feeling like they lose power when other people achieve equality for the people empowered, it hurts more and so you know for thousands of years white supremacy has reigned in like the quote-unquote western world and now it's like You know the democratic party when it became a party of social justice that's when the democrat and the republican parties in our country really really split apart because prior to that prior to like the 60s 70s it was like all white men even if some were like pro-union and some were you know pro-privatization but then when the democratic party became the party of social justice and civil rights the southern democrats shifted to the Republicans. And so that's like really what it's about in our country. It's like this next election, are we gonna move forward? Or are we gonna move backwards? And you're right about Trump and Tesco Trump. Um, <laughs> they are, they are the most, you know, primitive, depraved human instincts. You know, they are our fear centers. And it's like, are we gonna go back to that time or are we gonna move forward? And I think there's a lot riding on the next couple years.
0: I agree. And I feel like we have to push, we have to galvanize and we have to come together. Because there are some countries now in Europe where it is illegal and punishable by prison sentences to save a refugee from the ocean. That is true. And people are up who have gone out in boats as humanitarians and picked a human life out of a sinking boat who are now up to go to jail. Now that is right back to 1930s Berlin. So we have to stand up, but we have to galvanize other people who maybe think they're not political. We have to because the world is going to slip away from us. But what we didn't have before and we do have now is the internet. We have ways to organize. We have ways to engage, inspire, find each other. And they can't really take that away without a huge deal.
1: But the the internet is interesting because it is like so feminist. Like the Me Too movement happened because of the internet and its ability to like aggregate people's stories but then at the same time right now Facebook and Twitter are really hurting democracy and the people who run them are like allowing fake news to radicalize people so we really do have to be careful about what we consume and who we talk to and if you see someone who's kind of slipping talk to them and try to bring them back into the fold because it is, social media is also equally dangerous as much as it is
0: liberating. Yeah and we're really going to need Scotland Um, (laughs) yeah because it is the most extraordinary, incredible, yeah. uh, left wing socialized place, but in a joyful, collective, connected way. We love you, Scotland. Please don't yeah, leave. W- I know w- you <laughs> probably want to, but if you do leave, I will not blame you. But I might come and live here. Um, go and see Jenna's show, go and see Rosie Jones' show. You will not regret it. Both really important comedians. Can I have a big round of applause and a huge thank you for Rosie Jones? And the incredible Jenna Friedman? And to sing us out and close this show with an incredible style the way only she can, she supported us on our live tour and she absolutely smashed it every single night. Please welcome to the stage, the incredible Jess Robertson! Hey,
3: thank you. So, um, I do comedy and impressions and music and stuff, and I thought to close today's show, I would give you my Girl Power Mega Mix. Yes. I hope you will sing along in all the right places. It starts with one of my favourite songs from Mary Poppins. Hit it. <laughs> To Edinburgh, one hears the restless cry from every corner of the land Womenkind arise! Political equality and equal rights with men. Take heart, for Mrs. Pankhurst has been clapped in irons again. No more the meek and mild, subservient we. We're fighting for our rights militantly. Never you fear! So, ladies all across the world, listen up, we're looking for recruits If you're with me, let me see your hands, stand up and salute Grab your killer heels, sneakers, bombs, on oh, these up your boots. boots Representing all the women, salute, salute It's who we are, we don't need no camouflage It's a female federal And we're taking off, if you're with me, women, let me hear you say what you want, baby, I got it what My my lovely lady, love. Check it out. (laughs) I got the eye of the...
0: You have been listening to The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis-White, guest co-host Rosie Jones and our very special guests, Jenna Friedman and Jess Robinson. The recording engineer was Graham Steele. Music was by Mark Hodge. The producer was Tom Selinsky for The Spontaneity Shop. Thanks to Luke and Amy at Phil McIntyre and everyone at The Pleasants as well as all of you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes, visit guiltyfeminist.com.